This is episode 225, a behind-the-scenes coaching call with cross-country coach Chris Robinson, who's hoping to beat his years-old 5K PR in 2022. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the episode you're about to listen to is an in-depth coaching call with Chris, a 49-year-old cross-country coach at Eureka College in Illinois. He set a sub-25 KPR just a few years ago and is now hoping to get back to that fitness level and, even better, set an all-new personal best. We're going to talk more about his past training, what improvements he can make, and the training strategies to help him make his goal a reality. If you're new to the podcast, you can expect conversations just like this between me and other thought leaders in the running industry. My goal is to elevate your thinking about the sport, help you make wiser decisions about your training so that you can keep improving. Because if you better understand the process of improvement, when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. Strength Running also has an active YouTube channel with hundreds of videos on how to run longer, strength workouts, how to stay healthy and run with better form, and a lot more. Go to youtube.com strengthrunning, subscribe, and you'll see every video that we publish. And of course, strengthrunning.com is where it all began. For more than a decade, we've been helping runners around the world level up their training, race faster, prevent more injuries, and get stronger. You'll find our award-winning blog, our free email courses, and the full library of training programs and coaching services to help you accomplish your biggest running goals. This episode is sponsored by Inside Tracker. They help you analyze your body's biomarker data to give you a clear picture of what's going on inside you, and then they offer science-backed recommendations to improve any metrics that are outside of your unique optimal zones. You can now save $200 on Inside Tracker's ultimate plan with their free inner age test with code STRENGTHRUNNINGGIFT. Or if you don't want the full ultimate plan, you can get 25% off site-wide with code STRENGTHRUNNING. Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning to see all the details. We're also supported by Elemental Labs, which makes my favorite salty electrolyte mix. Go to drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning, and you can sign up for a free sample pack to see what flavors you like. My favorites are citrus and watermelon. They're unbelievably good. You'll get eight packets, four flavors, and you'll only have to pay five bucks for shipping here in the United States. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. Okay, our show today is a fun one. Every so often, I sit down with a runner from our team strength running program for an in-depth personal coaching call about a specific problem that they're having. In this case, Chris joins us in hopes of running a faster 5K. He's a 49-year-old cross-country coach at Eureka College, and he was able to run a sub-25K a few years ago on mostly aerobic half-marathon training. We're going to talk more about his background, the training he did to run that sub-20, and what he can do in the coming months to get himself back to that level. By the way, if you would like the opportunity to chat with me just like this for the podcast, I open up these opportunities to team strength running. You can learn more about our team and how you can join at strengthrunning.com join. Without further delay, please enjoy this coaching call with Chris. 
All right. Hey, Chris, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's uh, really exciting to be here. Yeah, well, I'm excited to help you get back to your previous level of fitness and hopefully get back to some of those performances you have run a couple years ago. So this is very much a, a performance buster type of podcast episode where we're going to talk all about your running. We're going to talk about your past and your background, what you've been doing for training and what you might change, keep doing or stop doing in your training so that you can hopefully get to the next level. So I'm really excited about this. Awesome. Me too. Thank you very much. All right, Chris, maybe we can start with just some background on you. Um, how long you've been running for, how old you are, what's your relationship to running these days? So it's, it's kind of a, it, it's a strange situation, me and, me and running. Um, I did it begrudgingly in high school um, to stay in shape for other sports. Um, was actually a talented runner. I, I, I was a sub five-minute uh, five miler, but refused to run track. Um, and then once I got out of high school, I, I gave up running altogether and didn't come back to it until 2008 at the age of 35. Um, and I am now 49. I just turned 49, uh, about a week ago and, uh, now love trail running. Um, I love the 5k really any kind of, any kind of racing 5k and above I love doing and, and really just getting out and running some miles, but I've never been really good at having any type of training structure. It's all been things I've kind of just put together on my own and just kind of was winging it. Yeah. And I think for no matter what runner we're talking to, structure is probably one of the more important things to your improvement, your progress. If you want to get better, you kind of have to know where you've been at and then keep taking the next step with your training. You know, maybe, maybe that means running more. Maybe that means being more consistent. Maybe it means doing harder workouts, but whatever it is, the structure that's behind it is going to be really critical. So I can't wait to talk a little bit more about that. Now, Chris, you've run some pretty good times here. It looks like your recent PRs in the half marathon and the 5k are 97 minutes and 1956. Is that right? Yes. Excellent. All right. So these were, these were run a couple years ago, you said, and you're, you're hoping to get back to that. So maybe we can talk a little bit more about what kind of training you did to get to those PRs, you know, before you ran both your half marathon and your 5k PR, what kind of training were you doing? You know, maybe in terms of the volume, your, what your long runs looked like and any harder workouts you might've been running. So I was, I was really bad at tracking any of that back then either. I, I was just going out and running. Um, I got together with a group of guys that got me into uh, trail running which eventually led me to doing some ultra running. Um, so when I set my 5k PR and my, uh, my half marathon PR, I was actually training with guys that I, I did a lot of trail running with and decided that they wanted to try to average a seven minute mile for a half marathon. So I, I jumped in was doing that training with them. And to this day, I really have no idea what our program was. I just showed up and, and ran with them. Um, I ended up getting hurt, uh, and missed some of the, uh, I had an IT band issue, which I know you're very familiar with, um, and missed some of my long runs for the uh, for the half marathon training. So I, I focused more on my speed. Um, and actually, when I set that 5K PR and the half marathon PR, it was the same weekend. 
I ran the 5K the night on Friday evening and then ran the half marathon Saturday morning. And I, I think I performed as well as I did in the half because I broke that 20 minute barrier in the 5K and was just relaxed and happy go lucky for the half. I just went out and I ran the first half with my friends at the seven sub seven minute per mile. And then I just kind of coasted after that and, and finished at 137. So I followed a plan with them, but had to alter it. And, and ever since then, I've kind of followed a, a Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday. Monday, I would run kind of an easy run. Wednesday, I would throw in some sort of quality work, which I didn't even know was quality work at the time, of uh, you know, doing some 400 repeats or some hill work, you know, mixed into the run that I was, the, the longer run that I was doing. An easier run on Friday and then try to run long on Saturday, which was usually heading out into the woods and, and doing a 10-mile loop on the trails. So, Chris, I think your training sounds very similar to what a lot of runners are doing. You know, you're running kind of four days a week. You've got your harder day in there. You've got two easier days, long run on the weekend. I've reviewed so many training profiles of runners over the years, and, and you'd be surprised that that is a fairly standard structure right there. And it's a pretty good structure. Um, so this is sounds like this is the structure you were running when you ran those PRs in both the half and the 5k. Um, tell us a little bit more about, you know, when you were, when you were training, do you have any idea what your peak mileage might've been? I mean, do you ever get to five days of running per week? Maybe, you know, your long run got longer than 10 miles. Kind of give us an idea of like your peak training. So I think my peak was probably when I was I was focused on getting ready for uh, an ultra. I did a couple ultras. I did an eight mile endurance run, and then uh, I did a few thirty mile uh, ultras. And during that time, I I was probably running somewhere between forty and fifty miles a week. Um, when we were getting ready for the uh, the first ultra, I would go down and on Saturdays, and I would do two loops of this ten mile loop on the trail. So. Saturday alone, I was putting in 20 miles. And then during the week, um, I would just kind of fill in with just some, I, that was more, I was just focused on just running distance, not worrying about speed or anything during that. So I'd probably add in another, you know, 20 miles during the week and then the, the, the 20 on the weekend. Okay. I see. That's, that's actually pretty great. And I love that you have ultra marathon experience. It means that you have experience running for a long time. And, and that actually can be quite a good skill to have, especially if you want to get faster at, you know, let's say the 5k, because one of the things that you can do, which is challenging is do the intensity you need to do for the 5k but in the context of a relatively high mileage week. So you're getting all the benefits of that endurance. You know, the workouts themselves are more challenging just because of the context they're in. You know, if you're running twice a week, only eight miles for the entire week, that workout's going to feel a little bit easier as opposed to you putting in 50 miles a week. You're just bringing in more fatigue to the workout. Uh, so that to me is, is encouraging that you have that experience behind you. Um, so let's let's talk now a little bit about your race experience outside of those two PRs. I'd love to know if you have uh, any PRs in any other distances and what your race performances might have looked like since those PRs. So I 
Oh, it's it's this year I did a 10K. It wasn't an official race. I would just went out. Well, actually, I guess it technically was. It was a virtual. Um, I did a virtual 10K and I, I ran 44.18. Um, that's been within the last year. Um, 2019, uh, December 4th-ish, I ran the Memphis uh, St. Jude uh, Marathon. Um, but I ran that in 409. Um, that I kind of... I didn't really train. My a good friend of mine convinced me to run it, and I, I forgot that the fall is my busiest time of year, and uh, I wasn't able to train. I ran 187 miles total. Uh, I did a 10-mile run the weekend before the marathon and then uh, towed the line and ran. <laughs> so that's the only road marathon I've ever ran, actually. Um, recently, I've been more in the uh, – I, I ran a 5K here in town. Um, I ran it. I broke 22 minutes. I don't remember what the exact time was. Um, it was actually a race that we host uh, at the college where I coach. Um, so I'm, I'm running in the, in, if it was a 5K, I'm probably running in the low 21s right now. Okay. So clearly your other performances are, are better. They're faster. Uh, are you training substantially less now than you were back then when you had run those PRs? Yes. Um, a lot of that is not from a, a, a desire to, to train less. It's, it's more from a, a time aspect. Um, I'm, I'm starting to pick my, my running back up. Actually, I was following your beginner uh, marathon training program, um, but coaching my own athletes got in the way of, of the long run. So I focused on the Monday to Friday. Well, I, I altered the days a little bit um, Monday through Friday and didn't do the long run. Um, so I was, I was doing the other, the other aspects of it, um, coaching my, my student athletes took up a lot of my time and they're all leaving for the semester now. So I'm looking to ramp things back up at least until they come back in January. <laughs> yeah, for sure. You have a little bit of time now. Um, so yeah, okay. That, that makes a little bit of sense to me that your performances would start to decline now as you haven't had as much time to train. Um, now do you have any races in the future that you're hoping to run? Do you have, uh, you know, any specific goals with specific distances? I know we were talking about getting back to the previous performance level that you've been at, but you know, anything specific that you're eyeing? Uh, you know, really, I would like to uh, I focus on the 5K right now. It feels like it's going to fit in with my schedule the best. I, I coach uh, collegiate cross country and and distance on the track side. And so my my year is it's, it's pretty much year round. You know, my fall and then the spring semesters are busy coaching those athletes. And so trying to get marathon training to, to fit into that schedule is really difficult. Um, so I want to focus on the 5Ks and, and one of my assistant coaches and I have actually decided we'd like to try to do call it 12 months of racing to, to compete in a 5K every month of the year starting in 2022. Oh, I love it. That'll be very exciting. And hopefully you can start giving your athletes a little bit of a chase too. Uh, there's, there's a few of them that have to chase me right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. All right. So yeah, I think this is, uh, I think that you're in a good spot, Chris. The other thing that I like about your 2022 challenge is that it's going to give you a really good idea of your baseline and your progress from month to month. Uh, I have no doubt that your January 5K race is going to be 
it's just going to leave you with a lot to be desired, right? But then you're going to get better and better. And I think if you're really smart with your training, you can definitely get back to those performances that you were able to run just a couple of years ago. Um, so maybe we can start talking about some specific things that you can do as you get ready for these 5Ks so that you can actually uh, start improving and, and getting better. But before I get there, Chris, I wanted to ask about any injuries that you might have. Do you have a lengthy injury history? Do you consider yourself injury prone? Are you dealing with anything right now? I don't consider myself injury prone. Uh, knock on wood, I've been very lucky um, to not have too many significant setbacks. Um, right now, I, I and it's it's my own fault. I know exactly what's going on. I just my my calves are getting tight and it's pulling down into my into my heels, and I feel it when I get up in the morning, and then it loosens up. And I, I've just been lazy about my my pre run warm ups and, and cool downs. And it's, there's I, I've allowed myself to talk myself ah you don't need to warm up today you'll be fine you'll you'll get warm while you're running, um, and I know that's not the right thing to do, but it happens. But overall. I don't, I'm, I'm pretty lucky when it comes to injuries. It's amazing that even when you know the right thing to do, you can manage to convince yourself not to do it for a million and one reasons. <laughs> oh yeah. And I'll, and I'll yell at my athletes when they, oh, coach, can we just, can we, can we shorten up the warm up today? Nope. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and if a 20 year old doesn't get to shorten up the warm up, we certainly don't get to either. Exactly. <laughs> So that sounds great to me. It doesn't sound like you have a substantial injury history. It's not like, you know, you're someone who's sort of always dealing with a niggle or some discomfort. So we we can be very, you know, I think in those situations, we just have to be very cautious with your training. We can't really take any bigger risks. Um, but I think you're uh, a talented runner. I think you just haven't been putting in the training that that I think you know you need to get to those performance levels. So I think what we can do is start structuring your training in a way that starts ramping things up and getting you to a point where you can start running those times. Um, so let's start with volume. Um, you know, the fact that you're running four days a week now, I think is just fine. Uh, you might want to stay with about four days a week for a little while uh, as you're gradually increasing your volume. But I do like to see runners get to at least five days. I feel like you start to miss out on some aspects of coordination, some aspects of muscle memory, if you're just not practicing it very regularly. Uh, so maybe sometime in the next four to eight weeks, once you're comfortable with it, once your body just feels good with the work that you're doing on a daily and weekly basis, start running maybe five days a week. Uh, and with your schedule of Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, you know, a, a good addition might be Tuesday. So you're running Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and that's sort of separating your work into two somewhat equal blocks of time throughout the week. Uh, and I think that pattern is really helpful for recovery. You have, you know, your long run on one end of it, you have your faster workout on the end of it. And then, you know, if you did want to start doing two workouts a week, that training structure does allow you to do that. You can do a workout on Monday and Wednesday, even if one of those workouts is fairly easy. You know, I'm starting to do that now myself. And I love doing that because 
I love just starting the two workouts a week and giving myself permission to run a workout that is so easy, it doesn't even feel like a workout. So it's just starting that, it's getting into the habit of it, but at the same time, you're not really overly stressing your body. Yeah, and I, I enjoyed that in your in the beginner marathon plan that you have, that you eventually introduced, you know, Tuesdays into it and, and running five days a week and having, you know, two workouts in, in the week was really, was really cool. Um, and I just finished this last, this past week, I ran 29 miles for the week and feel great today. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think increasing your mileage is probably a pretty good avenue for improvement at this stage of the game. You know, even if you were just to, you know, get up to about 40 miles a week, maybe 45 miles a week, uh, you don't necessarily have to just keep building mileage, you know, week after week. That's a really good way to get yourself hurt. But, you know, get to get to 35 miles a week, stay there for two or three weeks, and then run a 38 mile week, and then see how you feel at 40. And it can be a very gradual process. Um, but, you know, it does take the body four ish weeks or so to really, you know, recover from a workout, to adapt to the workout, and really make sure that you're remodeling all your tissues to be able to handle that extra stress in the future. Um, so I think the 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 overall volume is going to be a smart avenue for improvement for you. Uh, now, what about your long run right now? Are you doing a, a a good long run every Saturday? That's what I'm I'm working on getting back to. I I ran ten miles on Saturday, and that was the piece that I had been missing because of the coaching schedule that I had. Um, just wasn't able to get the longer runs in. So, yeah, just this past Saturday, I ran uh, I ran ten. The Saturday before, I ran eight, but it was it was a little bit over eight, but it was connected with a race I ran too. So I think my college cross country coach probably ran 10 miles every Saturday, run around the course cheering for us all the time. <laughs> so yeah. You're probably getting in a lot of that. Very true. Very true. So yeah, you can, and, and one of the reasons for me asking about your ultra experience is because, you know, y- you have experience not only running 20 miles regularly in training, but the races themselves, which are even longer than the marathon distance. So you can probably get back to fairly substantial long runs relatively quickly because you don't have this huge injury history that would be a a red flag to me. I think you could be a little bit more aggressive when it comes to building out your long run progression. So maybe a mile a week until you get to 13, 14 miles And then maybe a mile every two weeks, just to kind of give your body that extra time to adapt to that new stress. But that's going to be another big avenue for improvement, um, even in the 5K. You know, I I love to see runners running 15, 16, 18 miles when they're training for a 5K. It's only going to make them stronger. I think it's very instructive that, um, you know, some of the best milers in the world are doing like 18, 19 mile long runs just because they realize that the strength is super helpful. That's one of the things I, I, I harp on my athletes all the time. And and it was just happenstance for me, but the fastest 5k I ever ran, I was training for a half marathon. And I said, just running more helps you run faster. And I (laughs) no science behind it. No, there's no, it was to me. It was just intuitive. The more you run, the faster you'll get. And and I had I had my own experience to back that up. And and it's everybody seems to like. I get a lot of pushback from my my current athletes. They're like, "Well, we need to focus more on speed work." I'm like, "We have to mix that in." 
but running more is good. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. That's, that's probably one of like the mantras of my entire coaching philosophy. Running more is good. And I also have a lot of personal experience with that. I actually ran my mile PR, which is even further to the extreme after not doing a ton of speed work and just doing a lot of base work. And so I have that same personal experience and of anecdotal experience of this can act absolutely work and really help you to, to run really fast. And, and the more I've learned about the physiology behind it, you know, the, the speed work is really best thought of as these sharpening workouts, right? They take your current fitness and they sharpen you so that you can perform with what you already have, what you already have, right? And then the the aerobic work, the long runs, the mileage, that's capacity building work. You're not really getting sharp from that work, but it's increasing the size of that sharp point that you're going to be sharpening at the end of the season. So if you just spend more of your time building that base, building that foundation, you're just going to have more to sharpen. And even if you don't sharpen it, often a huge base is better than a tiny base with a lot of sharpening work added to it. Yeah. All right. So that I think is really helpful for you because you're going to be running more. You're going to be starting to put in some volume. And when you say that you are running, I think around 21 minutes, right? For the 5k recently. Yes. I think that is what you do when you're somewhat undertrained. And if you put in four to six weeks of decent work, you're probably going to start getting closer to 20 flat. Um, I probably think that if you were doing some of the volume that you did before, but then added the workouts to it, you might surprise yourself by how fast you can run. So let's talk now about intensity, about the faster stuff that you might've been doing previously and what you've been doing very recently. So when you ran the PR, I know you were just doing a lot of base work. You're kind of just showing up to these guys who are trying to run a a seven minute paced half marathon. Do you remember any of the kind of harder workouts that you were doing at the time? Uh, We would do mile repeats on the track um, at target, at target pace. Um, The number of reps, I I don't remember at all. Um, But that's, that was that was the bulk of the workouts we we did was a lot of mile repeats. Um, when I've done things on my own outside of any type of, of plans, which is most of what I've done, I, I tend to follow. Um, I do a lot of 400, 600, 800 repeats with X amount of time recovery uh, in between. Um, so just on Wednesday last week, I my, my running partner and I, we did we did five 400 repeats with a two minute recovery in between each one in the middle of a six mile run. Okay. So you've got some good wheels on you, Chris. That's good to hear. (laughs) And then looking back at your previous workouts, you know, you basically ran a a 626 paced 5k doing a lot of seven minute pace work. And that sort of makes sense to me. You know, you, you, you built a huge engine and you could rev that engine to about 626 pace over 3.1 miles. Um, but you didn't do a, a ton of work at that pace or faster than that pace. And so I think what that's telling us now is the 
the capacity building work, the slower, more aerobic seven minute pace, you know, that's probably more like, you know, your, your tempo pace and you got in really great shape doing predominantly tempo oriented workouts. And I'm not too surprised of that. You know, it's, it's, again, it's capacity building. You really did a great job building your capacity and you ran a decent 5k off of it. So I think we should basically almost do the same thing. Let's get your mileage up to 40-ish miles per week, more if you're comfortable with it, more if you have the ability and drive to run more. And then we can be a little bit more strategic with the faster workouts that you're doing. Because it sounds to me like you are capable of breaking 20 in the 5K only with the aerobic work. So there's just more potential for you when we can layer in the speed work and we can actually sharpen that big foundation that you built. Um, so it's really hard for me to give you exact workouts to do because, you know, I, I, I don't know when your races are and, and that would just sort of fly in the face of everything we know about periodization and, and all that. Um, but I, I do think, you know, as a coach yourself, you know, hopefully, you know, you can structure your training and you can kind of know how to progress from week to week. Um, now I think one of the interesting challenges that you have is periodization because you're going to be running a 5k every month. So, you know, one thing that you might want to think about is maybe taking some of those monthly races as races that aren't very important. So you might, you might take January, February, March, and take those super seriously. But then you might have some downtime in April because you've been training very consistently. You know, maybe it's like, you know, the super busy time for track for you. And, and you know, in April, you kind of shut things down for a little bit. Uh, and then you get back into it in, in May and you're still racing in it. But of course, maybe your times are a little bit slower. But that might be a helpful way to think about breaking up 2022 so that you're not just racing a 5k as hard as you can every single month, no matter what your, your fitness is like, no matter what your training is like, because that might be really, you know, a, a big hit to your confidence if you're racing well, and then you're kind of like, all right, I need some downtime. But now all of a sudden my 5k performances is 30 seconds slower or a minute slower. That's going to happen. And I'm not too worried about it. Yeah. I've kind of thought about that too, with the, uh, the, up, this upcoming year, with with track, you know, really, it's it starts the end of for us. It's going to start the end of January, and indoor will run through the end of February, and then I'll have a little bit of a downtime in March, and then April through the end of the you know the school year. So I kind of looked at okay, these times I'll I'm focusing on my athletes, and I'll just be running the 5K for fun to keep the 12 month streak going, and uh, and then the same thing will happen in the fall once cross country starts focus on my, my team, keep the streak going, but then get serious the end of November and, and December race. Yeah. I think that's a good approach to it. Uh, I think it's an approach that's going to spare the mindset piece of this, you know, cause if you're always trying to run fast, if you're always trying to train really hard, you're just going to start to lose motivation. You're going to start to lose drive. And I'm sure you see that with your athletes at the end of the season. It's like, they need a break. They need to recharge the batteries and, and really get back to neutral. Um, so I think that's a helpful framework for thinking about all of next year. Um, are you planning on running any other races over the course of, of the 12 months? One for sure that I do pretty much every November. And it's the one I just did a couple of weeks ago. It's a, it's a, it's a four mile, four mile point to point race that's done in conjunction with a, 
a festival that happens here locally. But it's it's a four mile race, and uh, if if my schedule allows, I'd I'd like to throw in a ten k in my old hometown. Um, but that's it's during cross country season, and it gets a little dicey with my uh, with with the cross country schedule whether I can fit that in or not. Yeah, for sure. Well, I think those distances are close enough to the 5K. So if you wanted to pretty much relegate yourself to 5K training for next year, you know, kind of cyclically, then I don't think that would have a negative impact on, you know, those performances, whether that's the 10K or the four mile, you know, you can run a pretty good 10K off of 5K training for sure. Now, the other thought that I had, Chris, was, you know, I know that you're limited by time. I know that your schedule has you doing your long runs on Saturday. And I know that one of your time limitations is the fact that you're a coach and a lot of these meets are on Saturdays. Do you have the ability to do a long run on Sunday or is that going to impede on family time or other obligations? I can adjust when I run my long run. I'm I'm like most runners. I am a creature of habit (laughs) and I run long on Saturday, but I, this year has taught me one thing for sure with, with my, uh, with my obligations as a coach that I'm busy on Saturday. And if I, I'm not going to sacrifice my, my, my team, um, for myself. So if I want to take care of myself too, I'm going to have to make some changes. Yeah. I think some flexibility is going to be really important for you and, and maybe shifting your long run over to Sunday when, you know, your team just has a lot of meets on Saturdays might be a, a helpful way of, of, of thinking about the schedule. Um, you know, you could also do it on Friday. You could sort of move your, your entire, uh, schedule back a day. And that might be helpful too, just so that you have those Saturdays free for your team. Um, now, the other thing I wanted to talk about too, Chris, was just sort of some of the things around the running itself that are going to help you stay healthy, reach your goals, uh, run a faster 5K. Now, one of the things that I'm very encouraged by is the fact that you don't really have a, a lengthy injury history. It's not like you're dealing with niggles all the time. Um, but, you know, if I'm ever talking to someone in their 40s, I'm always going to mention strength training. I think it's really critical for maintaining some of the physical skills that we are in the process of losing as older adults. And uh, do you have access to a weight room? Oh, yeah. I've got a good setup at home. And then obviously, I have access to the the weight room here at at the college. All right. Well, that's very exciting. So I would definitely recommend doing uh, a weightlifting workout, uh, maybe about twice a week. It doesn't have to be super fancy. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, from a fancy program. As long as you're in the gym twice a week, focusing on compound multi-joint lifts, you know, you're not a bodybuilder. You don't have to spend three hours in the gym. Uh, you're also not a, an aerobics instructor, so you don't need to worry about, you know, doing all kinds of running arms and stuff like that and getting your heart rate up. You just focus on the strength aspect of things, you know, lifting relatively heavy weight, five to 10 reps, try to get a little bit stronger every couple weeks by lifting a little bit more weight. But for those, you know, uh, masters runners and especially masters runners who are targeting shorter races. You know, I might say it's not as important if you are training for a hundred mile race, I might say, well, maybe you should just run more and do some more body weight strength training that that'll probably be sufficient. 
But the fact that you want to run a faster 5K, it's a little bit more power oriented, it's more speed oriented, then I think the strength that you get from the weight room is is really important. Um, do you do you like lifting? Is this going to be I a, do. I was going to say this is going to be a heavy lift for you, but I, no, I think no, everyone I, I would unsubscribe from the podcast if I use that pun. <laughs> No, I, I enjoy lifting quite a bit, actually. And uh, um, I, I'm tr- trying to lift with my son um, and, and getting him back into uh, into into the lifting. And we had a good we had a good thing going uh, that we started last year in December and then kind of fell off. And, uh, and I want to get back to it. The goal is to is actually be in the weight room tomorrow morning with him. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I think uh, I think just a regular lifting habit is really important for older runners. I mean, frankly, for any runner, but it just does start to get a little bit more important. Uh, I like to recommend it. Anyone who's approaching their forties just to start getting in the habit so that, you know, by the time they're 45 or 50, it's not some completely new experience for them. And it is really hard to, to build that habit. Um, now are you regularly doing, um, what I call, speed maintenance work, you know, the running fast, but not necessarily running hard. Are you running strides? Are you doing any sort of form drills? Are you maybe doing, uh, you know, like a fartlek pickup for only 20 or 30 seconds, but at a fairly fast pace, are you doing that kind of work to expose yourself to speed? So I did it more when I was following your, your program. Um, and then also, uh, it's something that I, those, those things I do incorporate into my, my student athletes workouts. And so when I would run them with them, I would, I would do them, but I'm, I'm not as great making myself do it, um, in my, in my normal training. <laughs> well, one of my favorite ways to include strides into a run that actually will likely save you some time is instead of doing it the traditional way where you would finish your run and then you would do a series of strides with maybe a minute, minute and a half or so of just walking or standing around in between each stride is just to do them during the final mile of the run. And essentially what you do is you just pick up the pace for about 20 seconds or so. Um, same structure. It's still an acceleration. You still only maintain that, you know, roughly 95, 98% max speed for only a second or two. And then you would coast down to, you know, a very easy recovery pace for the recovery in between each stride. And maybe you would run for about 90 seconds or so in between. But the effect of this is that number one, you don't have to do them after your run. You finish your run, you're done. And it'll, it'll make your last mile a little bit quicker than it was if you were running, you know, your normal easy pace. But because the recoveries are actually a little bit slower, then it doesn't really feel very aerobically challenging. So that could be a fun way to make sure that you're still running quickly, regularly, without you know eating into your schedule, without doing something that you know you, you just don't have the time for. Yeah, I like that. That's a it's a great idea. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's a it's kind of a practical way of getting in the strides before you know you finish your run, and then you know you're halfway into taking a shower and you're like, Oh man, I forgot to do my strides. Now, finally, Chris, you know, I think we're about to wrap here, but I want to open it up to any questions for you when it comes to your training, what you can do in the future. Um, maybe you have questions on, uh, you know, other things that you might want to add to your training, like cross training, you know, there's so many different 
what I call avenues for improvement that we could talk about. But, you know, for you, I think the big ones that we're looking at is like, let's get consistent with a little bit higher volume, a good long run every weekend. And then once you're comfortable with that, we can add in those weekly workouts. And I think ultimately you would want to get comfortable running a very specific 5K workout, something like three times a mile on the track, a scant 60 second recovery. And you're trying to run your goal 5K pace or, or maybe a couple seconds faster per mile. And if you can do that in a workout, then you're ready to run that total pace in a workout. Um, so you can kind of build towards that type of workout. You can structure that uh, many different ways, but something similar to that. And then making sure that you're just consistently touching speed without making that speed work super hard, you know, so doing your regular strides, maybe doing some pickups in a run like we just discussed, but that's really going to give you the strength and the turnover and the speed to put together a great 5k. So a workout like you just described, the the three by one with the 60 second recovery, yeah, how, how often would you do a workout like that? So in my mind, that's a very hard workout. I would probably only give yourself very hard workouts like that for probably a six to eight week window. And then afterwards, you kind of just need to shut down the intensity, rest and recover and, and sort of give your body some some time to uh, fully adapt to all that so that you just don't get burned out or overtrained. So then the question becomes, okay, how do I build to that type of workout while still doing similar workouts, but that just aren't nearly as challenging. And so one thing that I love doing is combining two types of workouts. So you might do a tempo run, a short tempo run, and then adding some quality work after it so that the total volume of the, of the workout is maybe only three or four miles. But then the volume of the real fast stuff is a much smaller percentage of that total work. And by doing some tempo work beforehand, beforehand you're pre-fatiguing your legs, you're still giving yourself that capacity building aerobic stimulus. And this is a really nice way of getting in the work without making it super challenging. So you might do something like, um, you know, two miles worth of tempo running and then, you know, six by 400 at 5k pace. So it's only about half the distance of the actual 5k. It's only about a mile and a half worth of 5k work. It's broken into 400s. So, you know, you get more recovery and at the same time, you know, you're actually doing a fair amount of work. You know, it's four miles worth of, of quality running. Um, and then you can sort of evolve that template over time so that it gets closer and closer. Less tempo running, more 5K work. You know, the total volume of 5K work goes up, but then also the, the repetitions go up. You might start doing six by 400, and then you do four by 800, and then you do five by 800, and then you might do three times a mile. And so you're always sort of building up to the total volume of about three miles. Uh, and you're also working up to longer repetitions as well. Awesome. The other big question for me, and I think it's probably one that a lot of runners deal with, um, the, the easy run. I struggle with my slower pace. And I always find myself, especially if I'm by myself, horrible when I'm by myself. I always find myself going faster and faster and faster. 
you know, I'll go out with the intention of, of holding a, an eight 30 ish for a, for a long, slow run and end up dropping, you know, below eight minutes a mile, sometimes, you know, mid sevens. Yeah. That's a tricky question. That's uh, the million dollar question, right? Um, (laughs) I, I do like to tell runners, you know, let's try to make your runs comfortable, controlled and conversational. And I think it's great. You know, when, when you grow up running for a team and you obviously experience this, when your guys are running together, they sort of have to keep a fairly easy effort if they want to be talking to each other. And when we start running by ourselves, we don't have the team support with us all the time. We're not talking. And and I definitely noticed that, you know, when I go for a run here in Denver with one of my buddies, I tend to run a little bit slower with him, even though it's the same effort because we're chatting the whole time. And so it's kind of a nice way to slow yourself down a little bit, but it certainly is a challenge and there's no perfect answer except, you know, if you have a GPS watch, you can really monitor yourself and you can check in and make sure you're slowing yourself down. Uh, but just try to make sure it's conversational. So, you know, maybe try to run with someone who's a similar ability level as you and, and they can help keep you honest. Uh, the other thing is it's okay if you start running a little bit quicker, if you feel good, if, you know, maybe it's not the day before a harder workout or long run, you know, those days I like to keep very easy because, Hey, we've got some real quality work tomorrow. So let's save ourselves for that. I don't like to see runners be a hero and easy runs. And then they're bringing all this fatigue into their hard days. But, you know, if it's say the day after a long run, or the day after a workout and you just feel good. And, you know, maybe the first couple miles were 840, 830, 820. Well, now you start feeling good and you put down an eight minute mile and the next one's 745. I don't necessarily think that that's that big of a deal, um, especially because you don't have this whole lengthy list of injuries from your past that were a result of poor training. So it sounds like, you know, your body, it sounds like, you know, sort of what you can do and and get away with in training. Um, because a lot of the times, the more experience you have and the more, you know, about training, the more you can bend the rules a little bit. And (laughs) so if you're going on an easy run, I'm much more interested in the average pace, you know, is your average pace eight 30, and, and maybe that means the first couple miles were 845, most of the miles were 830, but then maybe you had a couple sub eight minute miles. In my mind, that's okay. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a smaller amount of stress overall than if the whole run were at that pace. And as long as you're feeling good from workout to workout, long run to long run, and your body's cooperating with you and you're not injured, I think that's totally fine. Okay. Yeah, I guess it's more... The more specific question would probably be more, you know, what should a, an easier pace for someone that like me that can run a 20, a low 21, 5k right now, you know, what should that look like? Yeah, that, that's a good, that's a good question. So, okay. If, let's say you're running 21 minutes for the 5k, it's about 645, 650 per mile. I would say that I think around 830 sounds sounds about right. You know, somewhere eight minute pace might be a little bit quick. Uh, 830 pace sounds great. Nine minute pace sounds like it could start being a little bit too slow. So you're probably somewhere in that that sweet spot range. Uh, again, 
remember, it's okay if the last mile or two is a little bit fast if you're feeling good. So if you want to throw down 745, 730 makes me a little bit nervous, Chris, but if you're feeling really good, then that's okay. Yeah, for me, the big, my, my concern has always been, am I, am I shortchanging my recovery because I'm, or not getting the variety that you need because I always end up running either fast or, you know, the same, you know, easy pace, <laughs> which ends up being, being faster and faster a lot of times. So yeah, having that, that knowing that 830 should be kind of in the ballpark with that permission to run a little bit faster. That's, that's perfect. Makes me feel a little bit better about what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's very appropriate based on where you're at. And as your fitness improves, your easy pace will also start to drift a little bit quicker as well. Um, but then the other funny thing that starts to happen is even if your fitness is getting better and you're performing better in races, so in other words, you're getting faster, your easy pace might actually get slower because you are just so tired from the racing, from the hard workouts. And so your running then becomes this, this matter of survival from workout to workout or workout to long run. I'm sort of remembering my college days of in, in post-college days where I was just in like hard peak training where, you know, the easy runs were just like, let's just get in the mileage as best as I can and then be ready for that harder workout. And that's a pretty good litmus test for knowing when or if you're not recovering well. So if you have this idea in your head, like, man, am I shortchanging myself by running too quick on this easy, on this easy run? Well, the good way of knowing if you are is if you can't finish or if you can't hit the splits that you need in a workout. Because if you're feeling good and, and you're running the workouts where you need to be running those workouts, then that almost by definition, you're not shortchanging your recovery. You're recovering just fine. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really excited. That's one thing that has always stuck in my head since I ran that uh, that sub 25k when I, I was technically training for a, a half marathon. I'm like, man, what could I have done if I was actually training for a 5k? And have I tried it since then? No, I, I still to this day have never really focused on training for a 5k. It's just been I go out and I run during the week. And then if I entered a race, awesome. Let's go see what I can do. Yeah. Well, this, this new approach of just having a little bit more structure, having a little bit more intentionality behind the workouts you're doing, and then just the overall consistency of the mileage and the long runs, um, strides, I think are critical that I think is going to make a huge difference for you. So I'm really excited for 2022 for you, Chris. I think, uh, you're going to have a lot of fun with this 5k a month challenge that you're doing. And I think you might surprise yourself by how quick you can run because I don't think that those performances were truly indicative of your potential, which to me is very encouraging as a coach. I'm like, all right, we're going to, we're going to get you a lot faster now. Let's start doing some real training. This is exciting. That'd be awesome. I'm really, really, really jazzed up for this. This is going to be cool. All right, Chris. Well, hey, it was really fun chatting with you. I hope your training just continues to go well. Uh, and until then, I hope you'll keep me updated. Oh, I definitely will. I, I have a blast listening to your podcast and we'll definitely stay in touch. All right. Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. And that is this week's episode featuring Coach Chris Robinson from Eureka College. Chris, best of luck to you as you embark on your 2022 5K challenge and keep us all updated on how far under 20 you managed to run in the 5K. 
If you would like the opportunity to come on the podcast just like this, as well as have other runners on your team access our full training plan library and attend our live coaches chats, you can learn more about team strength running at strengthrunning.com join. And finally, I'm so grateful for our sponsors. If you get value from this podcast, please support us by supporting them. Inside Tracker is one of the most reputable personal blood testing companies in the country. They were founded in 2009 by aging genetics and biometric scientists to help you analyze your body's data and get a firm idea of how well you're responding to training. Understanding all your body's biomarkers from stress hormones like cortisol to testosterone and even vitamin D can help you figure out if you're overtraining or optimally training. But the best part is that once they give you where your biomarkers are in these personalized optimal ranges for each of them, they then give you a host of ways to improve any of those markers that are outside of your ranges through diet, lifestyle, or exercise. I've personally gotten three of their ultimate tests and the process is simple, it's easy, and it's very eye-opening. If you have done a deep dive on your biomarkers yet, now's the opportunity. Go to insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. You can see their new Black Friday offers. You can get $200 off their ultimate plan and their free inner age test with code strengthrunninggift or 25% off site-wide. You can see all the details at insidetracker.com slash strengthrunning. We're also supported by Elemental Labs, my favorite electrolyte company. If you have a high sweat rate, or if you're like me and you have very salty sweat, it's important to dial in your hydration. Elemental Labs is offering a free sample pack with four flavors and eight electrolyte packets at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. You only have to pay for shipping, which is just five bucks here in the US. Elemental Labs makes electrolytes for athletes and low-carb folks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors. My wife absolutely loves it, and I happen to bring it almost everywhere with me. I go to running camps and hand out Element Salt, I give it out to my friends here in Denver, and I send it to my giveaway winners on Instagram. And everybody loves the amazing taste. So for those athletes who might be running five or more days per week, maybe you're training for a longer race, like a half marathon or longer, or if you're just outside in the heat, an electrolyte replacement can help your hydration and your recovery. And I'm very encouraged by the fact that Navy SEAL teams, Olympic teams, and pro athletes have started using elemental electrolyte supplements to improve their performance. Check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to try their sample pack and get your hydration optimized for the fall season. That's our show today, runners. Don't forget to catch the show notes on strengthrunning.com and you can sign up for Team Strengthrunning to get direct access to me at strengthrunning.com slash join. Thank you for listening. We'll be in touch soon.